uh, we are in, as we've been talking about, the season of Epiphany. And Epiphany is simply the way that we celebrate God revealing Jesus as his son. So we've seen a lot of things about Jesus in the last couple of weeks, right? We've seen Jesus revealed as the word, John 1, right? The word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning, the word was with God. We've seen the, Jesus as the son of God uh, when he is baptized and God declares uh, this is his son who he is pleased with. We've seen uh, from the testimony of John that Jesus is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. We've seen by the confession of the disciples that he is the Messiah or the Christ, uh, the Savior, the anointed one, right? These are the terms we normally think of Jesus in, right? When we think about Jesus, he's the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. But in addition to all of that, we see in Jesus' ministry, he is a personal disciple maker. Uh, He spent much of his earthly ministry developing his followers into the future leaders of his church. As you read the Gospels, you can see it clearly, right, in his teachings, in the way that he travels, in the way that he uh, draws the disciples to himself and gives them more understanding. Uh, he disciples constantly. You can see him discipling a large group of people in, in, in his teaching and his ministry. And then he, he develops uh, and spends more time developing his 12 apostles, those that he calls to himself, and even more time with his inner three, Peter, James, and John, and Interesting enough, these three were among the first followers he called. As he began his ministry and began calling, calling followers and disciples, Peter, James, and John were some of the first three uh, that he called. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning in Matthew 4, uh, where Jesus calls Peter, his brother Andrew, James, and his brother John. And so before we kind of dig into that, I want to get us some context. Uh, first in this particular calling and then the larger context of discipleship within Judaism, right? Because oftentimes we read this story and we don't understand the context. Jesus comes by, right? He sees fishermen. He says, follow me. They jump out of the boats and go with him. But they, as we, when we kind of take all the gospels together, they had already encountered Jesus more than once. Uh, so we see in the very, when we saw in his baptism, uh, when John declares, behold, the lamb of God, Uh, Andrew and most likely John begin to follow him. And Andrew goes and gets his brother Peter and he brings him to Jesus. And Jesus tells him that he is the rock, right? He's going to call him Peter. Uh, And then we have this miracle recorded for us where they're out fishing. And Jesus is is where Jesus is teaching rather than the crowds are pressing around him. And he gets in Peter's boat and they put out a little bit so that Jesus can speak to the whole crowd. And then it's, 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 they've been fishing all night and they haven't caught anything. And Jesus tells them to go out into the deep and let down the net. And Peter says, we've been fishing all night, but master, if you say so, we'll do it. And they let down the net and they have this miraculous catch. And Peter confesses. He says, uh, you, get away from me, Lord, right? Like you're too holy. I'm too sinful. And most scholars that I could read find this calling comes on the heels of that. Maybe the next morning, maybe in a few hours, Jesus walks by and says, No, I really meant it. Follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men, right? And so they leave their nets, they leave their boats to follow this rabbi. And that's where the context of Judaism uh, is important. See, Jesus lived in a deeply religious culture that highly valued biblical understanding, and rabbis were greatly respected. To be a disciple of a famous rabbi was an honor. Rabbis were expected to not only have a vast knowledge about the Bible, but able to show through their exemplary lives how to live by the Scriptures. A disciple's goal was to gain the rabbi's knowledge, but even more importantly, to become like him in character. 
It was expected that when the disciple became mature, he would take his rabbi's teaching to his own community, add his own understandings, and raise up disciples of his own. So in this culture, a rabbi was a respected teacher, under, someone who understood the law, that had been through training, that lived it, and he would call uh, students, disciples, to follow him, and they would spend all the, the time with him, learning from him. Now, often this was, uh, they would come to a rabbi, they would express their desire to be a student, and then the rabbi would either uh, approve or disapprove. But Jesus kind of flips that and goes and finds men uh, that are probably too old uh, in most circumstances, that are probably already uh, done with their schooling, and he calls them to follow him. And of course, all of this discipleship we're talking about culminates in Jesus' final instructions where he officially commissions his disciples to make more disciples that would then make more disciples, right? So Jesus disciples these men for some three years, and then this is the the last commission he gives them in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so Jesus first discipled himself. He he discipled others. He was a discipler. And then he commanded his disciples to make disciples that would disciple others. And then I think we can clearly see that discipleship becomes a core issue of what it means to be a Christian. And therefore, what it means to live the Christian life. So discipleship is at the very core of what it means to live the Christian life. And unfortunately... In the modern church, it's often misunderstood, sparingly practiced, and sometimes so watered down that it doesn't look anything like what Jesus modeled or commanded, and therefore does not produce disciples who make disciples. Rather, we have gotten really good at producing religious consumers who produce other religious consumers. Jesus said, go and make disciples who will make disciples. This was Jesus' calling. And so with that as our backdrop this morning, I want to share three very simple statements about the Christian life and therefore discipleship. Looking at Jesus' own call to his first disciples that we found in Matthew 4 at verse 18, we're talking about follow me, a call to discipleship. And if you have your Bibles open in Matthew 4, if not, it'll be on the screen as we read these, these verses together. I didn't mark it this morning, so give you time to get there, right? Sometimes the pastor cheats and he pre-marks it. Matthew 4, at verse 18. If you're there, say I'm there. All right. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. So from that, we're gonna, I'm going to give you three statements this morning. The first is this. The Christian life is about following Jesus. Boom. Mind blown, right? Where did you come up with that, Pastor? I've never heard that before. I told Brittany that. She said, who helped you with that? But listen, 
It's obvious, right? It sounds so obvious and it seems so simple up there. But I want you just for a moment to think about the most prominent ways that the Christian life is presented. Sometimes it's presented as what, we, what I'm going to call the get out of hell free card Christianity. It sounds like this. All you have to do is ask Jesus into your heart and you'll go to heaven. And often nothing further is emphasized except maybe baptism to show that you really mean it. And then for the most part, life goes on as usual until they eventually fade away from the church and stay on the roll for 30 more years, assured that at one time, a long time ago, they asked Jesus into their heart. But their life remained largely unchanged. That is not Christianity, but you can see why it's so appealing. I get all the benefits of being a Christian without any of the responsibilities, right? I get my card stamped, I put it in my wallet, and I go about my life. Doesn't sound anything like what Jesus called the disciples to. And then you have get what you want out of life, Christianity. This sounds something like this. Do you want a better life? Do you want to be blessed beyond measure? Then you need to add Jesus to your life. Don't you know God has a special and wonderful plan for your life, a plan to prosper you and to bless you? And this person signs up because who doesn't want a better life, right? And as long as things are going good, they are willing to give God a nod and some credit. But if it isn't, they often blame God or his church and they move on to the next thing that promises health, wealth, and prosperity. Now you can see why this have your best laugh now Christianity is appealing. It's all about me and getting what I want, right? So one is a safeguard. I can live how I want to, but go to heaven. The other is I can have everything I want to this side of heaven. And neither one of those is the Christian life. That is not what Jesus called his followers to. So Jesus says, when he calls his disciples two words, follow me. This call is so simple and yet with such a vast undertaking. It's easy to say in in one breath, right, follow me. But to follow a rabbi as a pupil was to leave your way of life and join with your rabbi. You would go where he went. You would eat what he ate. You would experience what he experienced, the ups, the downs. Now, listen, it was a great honor to be accepted by a rabbi, but to be invited by one was even a greater honor. But listen, it also involved hardships, leaving your primary source of income, leaving your home, leaving your family. This was a call to radically abandon your way for their way. This was a call to surrender your life in order to not only learn from your rabbi, but to become like him. So when Jesus says, follow me, he he didn't say, acknowledge some truth about me. He didn't say, uh, learn a few things. He says, I want you to come and spend time with me observing and listening to my teaching. But more than that, it was an invitation to imitate him, to become like him. I mean, Jesus says as much, right, as a factual statement in Luke 6. He says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher, right? The point of a disciple following their, their, their rabbi was that they would become like the rabbi. So when Jesus issues this plain call to follow him, I want you to think about what he's actually asking them to do. When Jesus was finished discipling them, he instructed them to disciple people in his name and in his way. Think about that great commission again we read in the beginning. 
go and make disciples of Peter. That's not what he said. Go and make disciples of John. No, he said, go and make disciples in my name, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Teaching them what I taught you to observe. They were to go and make disciples of Jesus, for Jesus, in the way of Jesus. This is vital to our understanding of discipleship. It is still a call to follow Jesus, right? It didn't, it didn't change. He told them, go make disciples of mine in my name, in my way. And so we are disciples of Jesus still. The call to follow him is the call that echoes to every single person who will name the name of Jesus. Paul picks up on this argument as he's encouraging the church at Corinth. He says, uh, when there were some things that were dividing them, and he says, listen, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So what he said is, is follow me as I follow Christ, right? So he says, I, I'm a little further along in my discipleship, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you the way. You follow me, but ultimately, who is Paul following? Christ. He wants not disciples of Paul. He wants disciples of Christ, and so he's leading them that way. And that's actually the same call. To be imitators is to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Here's where we get discipleship wrong so often in the church. Discipleship is more than accumulating knowledge. So often when we talk about discipleship or discipleship programs, what we mean is teaching, right? But listen, I want you to hear me this morning. You can spend years learning from Bible study, from Sunday school, from sermons, and not be discipled. That's not to say that knowledge is not part of discipleship. It is. I mean, Jesus highlighted teaching as a part of discipleships, but it is more than that. If it was just information, listen, Jesus could have preached a great sermon and then told his disciples to go figure it out. I mean, imagine at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, we've been studying on Wednesday night now for like 16 weeks, and we've barely scratched the surface of the Sermon on the Mount, right? Like it's, it is the greatest sermon ever preached. Imagine if Jesus preached that sermon and then stood up and wiped his hands and says, okay, guys, you know everything you need to know, go get them. I'm going to the cross, right? Like that's not what Jesus did. He taught them, but then he modeled it for them. Like, he, he, when he says, follow me, he means look at how I live, listen to how I teach. Like, listen, discipleship is more than knowledge. If the extent of the involvement of your discipleship is either teaching or learning, you've missed the most important part, following the example of Christ. Here's the question that I have for our teachers, a few of you in the room. Teachers, more than what you teach each week, what are you modeling, right? Furthermore, are you even close enough to the people who sit in your room week after week that they can see how you live? I want you to help me finish this sentence. Actions speak louder than, right? We know that. We teach our kids that. So you can come in every week and you can open the lesson. You can be wonderfully prepared and you can teach great. And that's not discipleship unless you're showing people how to live it. Words are important, but actions that emulate your words are far more important when it comes to discipleship. Could you, like Paul, invite people to watch your life in order to know how they should follow Christ? Think for a minute. If you could tell that person you want a disciple, hey, watch me, and you'll know how to follow Christ. Anybody else? But here's the question. If we couldn't, why not? The call to the Christian life is a call to follow Jesus. 
And if we are encouraging others to follow him, shouldn't we be able a model for what that looks like? I think we don't have discipleship because we're not following that well. We're like, hey, you need to go to church to learn how to do that, right? Like the pastor will tell you how to do that. Don't, don't look at my life. But Paul said, listen, I'm a follower of Christ. If you want to know what it looks like, just watch me. And we're going to follow him together. That's what discipleship is. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know everything. You just have to follow Christ. And then tell others to follow with you. And listen, what is the purpose of discipleship? Jesus answered that in the same statement. So first he says, follow me. But listen, the second statement, this is this. And it's equally profound. Okay, you ready for it? The Christian life is about being made into something. Man, you think, Pastor, you're on fire today. These are genius. Listen, the Christian life is about being made into something. Listen, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you. This is even more plainly recorded in Matthew or Mark's account when he says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Both I will make you and the expanded I will make you become have the same root understanding. Jesus is the subject and his role is going to be to make the disciples that they are not something that they are not currently. The word to make means to be the author of, the cause of, or to make one do something. He is saying, I am going to produce in you, I'm going to make you something different. Now this tells us two very important things about discipleship right up front. Okay. The first is, it requires the power of God being active in our life. And two, its purpose is to change us into something different than we currently are. As we've already seen, it is more than just accumulating knowledge. You can be the smartest person in the room and the worst disciple. It's not just what you know. But listen, it's more than just what you do. The Christian life is more than a checklist. Does anybody remember, I was thinking about this week, those, the old Baptist envelopes that had the boxes to check, the Sunday school member reports. Who remembers those? Sadly enough, you can still buy them. I looked them up. I want you to listen. This, these, are, these are the boxes on this envelope. Attended Sunday school. Brought Bible. Studied lesson. Giving this week attending worship, daily Bible reading and prayer, visits this week with a place to put the number of visits, other contacts with a place to put the number of contacts. Listen, none of those are bad, but for some people that is the sum total of Christianity. If they are checking off boxes, they're having a great week, right? If they can come into Sunday school and check all the boxes, they think I'm killing this Christian thing. And if they can't, I just gotta try harder. Christianity is not a thing, a list of things to do. Jesus doesn't call his disciples to learn a bunch of repeatable behaviors when he called them. He told them he was going to be the author of change, and that change wouldn't just be change of behavior, but a change of who they were. And then their call was to introduce people to Jesus so that he, through his spirit, would change them into what he desires them to be. Discipleship is change. It's being made into something. The Holy Spirit, John says, Jesus says in John 14, would continue his work as he come alongside believers in order to do what Jesus did for his disciples. Now, here's a question you have to ask yourself at this point. So we think about what discipleship is and what really following Jesus is. Am I different than when I first accepted Jesus' call? 
Is who I am different? Am I being changed and conformed into the image of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit? If not, then how can you say you're a Christian? Or how can you say you're living the Christian life? Because Christianity is about being made into something else, right? How did Christ make them? He spent time with them, instructing them, correcting them, modeling it for them. How does the Holy Spirit make us? Same way. He dwells us. He walks with us. He instructs us through his word. He corrects us when we need it. And he empowers Christians around us to help model it for us. This is one of the most powerful aspects of the church. As the people of God who are being formed by God, men and women should be able to see the evidence of God in our lives. As the people of God who are being formed by God, men and women should be able to see the evidence of God's work in our lives. It's why we should practice meaningful membership. It's why we should be proponents of church discipline because every person who names the name of Christ and EBC as their home is teaching people what it means to follow Christ. Whether they they say it or not, their life is an example to others. This is what we do. Listen, does it mean we're going to be perfect? Of course not. If you want to be perfect, you're going to have to find another church because your pastor's not perfect. Does it mean we won't mess up? No, of course not. We're going to make mistakes. But it does mean this. Listen, if someone is observing your life for any length of time, the trajectory of your life as a Christian will be more and more like Christ. That's what it means to follow him, is to become like him. But there's another side to that. This truth that the Christian life is being made into something is freeing when it comes to discipleship. Think about this for a minute. I cannot make anyone anything. You cannot make anyone anything. If you are frustrated by your discipleship efforts, then stop focusing on you. You can't do the work, right? You can encourage and you can point the way and you can model, but God has got to make, right? And so listen, Not only do we need to be made by God, the people we disciple need to be made by God. We are simply instruments in the hands of God to point people to Jesus. As I follow Jesus, I encourage others to follow him. I use my experience, my knowledge, my life to point others to Jesus. This is discipleship. We make it so complicated and we make it things that it's not. But at the core of discipleship, it's being formed and helping others know where to be formed. One of the pastors in the ministries I greatly respect says discipleship at its core, he sums it up like this, is deliberately doing spiritual good to someone so that he or she will be more like Christ. The goal of discipleship is always that the one being discipled is becoming more like Christ. The Christian life is about being made into something. And listen, so far, if you're following along, the Christian life is about following Jesus. Not not something you just confess, not something you say, not something you join. It is a decision to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior and to learn from him. And as you do, the promise is you are going to be made into something else by his power. So if we come to the last statement, be prepared to be equally blown away by the wisdom of it. 
The Christian life is about the kingdom of God. I want you to, to, to listen to the end of his call. What will Jesus make these men, right? Follow me and I will make you. These Galilean fishermen, he says, I will make you disciples who make disciples. That is, I will make you fishers of men. Jesus takes them from where they are and tells them where he's going to take them if they follow him. Fishing for these men was, was their lives. Listen, it's, it's more than a job. It was more than a hobby. It was their livelihood, their family business, the way they put food on the table, the way they contributed to society. It was what they would pass on to their children. This was more than just a career. This was who they are. Jesus says, I'm going to change all of that for you. The focus of their lives is no longer going to be building their own lives, building their businesses or their profits. In short, they are not going to be the focus of their own lives any longer. Their focus, their occupation is going to be building the kingdom of God by bringing men and women into that same kingdom. The same call goes for Philip or Nathaniel or Matthew from the tax booth. Like Jesus says to follow him is not only to be made in his image, but to carry on his mission. Do you see why the get out of hell free card Christianity or the get the life you want Christianity falls radically short of representing what it actually means to follow Jesus? Because neither one of those calls for change. But Jesus says he's going to make his disciples something altogether different. So let's just take Jesus' word picture here for a minute and press it a little bit in its application. A fisherman, their lives revolved around what? Catching fish, right? So they built and bought boats for what purpose? To get closer to the fish. They made and mended nets for what purpose? To catch the fish they got close to, right? They established relationships with markets close to the shore for what purpose? To sell the fish they had netted in their boats. Like, like we see in the Gospels that they labored all night sometimes and mended nets in the morning. Why? So they could catch fish. You're like, I get it, Pastor. They were fishermen. But, but let, me, let me just kick this dead horse just one more time. Where they lived, who they associated with, how they spent their free time, it all revolved around the act of catching fish. They learned where the fish were. They learned the, their movement patterns. They learned the best time of day to fish, the best nets to use, all the while fishing. If we just use what we know about them being fishermen and apply it to Jesus' statement that he would make them fish for men and women, what do we see? That their lives were going to revolve around it. They were going to go where people were. They were going to learn from Jesus how to interact with people, how to meet their needs and expose their greatest need, how to draw them to the, to the truth. They were going to learn how to expose God's truth in men's hearts. They were going to learn how to live as fishers of men because that is what their lives would revolve around, bringing men and women into the kingdom of God as disciple-making disciples. And isn't that what we see in the book of Acts? After Jesus has discipled them, after he has just poured into them for three years, this is what the Bible says about them. They no longer spent hours focused on fishing. They spent hours in the temple proclaiming the word of God. They spent hours going house to house, ministering to and fellowshiping with men and women, teaching them what Jesus had taught them. And in turn, these new disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They took the message and ministry of Christ 
out into the world, making disciples who would make disciples. And then they began to go to Samaria and beyond, making disciples who would make disciples. Fishing for men and women that would then in turn fish for men and women. Here's a question. What is the focus of your life? Is it the kingdom of God? Is it bringing men and women into it and then discipling them so they can bring others in? Is it following Jesus and helping others follow him? In my studies, I came across the following statement. The author says, if you aren't helping other people follow Jesus, I don't know what you mean when you say you're following Jesus. To follow him is to help others follow him. When Jesus issued this call to these four men, in that call we see the call that he issues to all men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. To be a Christian is to follow Jesus in the way that he lived, obeying the things he taught and imitating the things he modeled. To be a Christian is to be made into something altogether different, to be conformed into the image of Christ by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. To be a Christian is to have the focus of your life shift from yourself and your will to the kingdom and God's will. To see men and women saved and brought into that same kingdom as disciples who make disciples. Jesus' call to follow him as it was for these disciples is a life-changing call. Here's what I can tell you. You cannot follow Jesus and remain unchanged. To come to him as Savior is to come to him as Lord. And as we look at this call and listen, the very simple sermon. If today you find that your call that you answered is anything less than that. I pray that you see clearly, maybe for the first time, what it means to really be a follower of Jesus. And if you've answered that call and your life is changed, but you are not helping others follow him. I pray today that this is the last day that is true of you. You can start where you are with who you are, but please start. Jesus was a personal disciple maker, and he calls us to follow him in being personal disciple makers. May God help us as we carry on the mission he has given us. Let us pray.